Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Welcome into the DNBR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have some news to talk about, and it is good news. So yesterday we spent the entire show almost kind of mapping out where Colorado is in the Pac-12 standings with a week to play. Turns out, though, there's plenty more basketball on the way. Uh, The Pac-12 announced a whole bunch more games um, about an hour after we published the podcast, published the story, breaking down everything. Kind of terrible timing, honestly, but you know what? Here we are. Uh, but yeah, a bunch more games on the way. Probably six or seven of those are very impactful toward Colorado. So we're going to dig in and talk about what exactly this means. And not to spoil things, but the schedule changes were a good thing for Colorado. Okay, first though, let's talk a little bit more about the presenting sponsor. Sponsor. Where did where did that S go? Um, what's going on right here in Colorado in the rugby world is really cool. The Colorado XOs are a rugby team that just started right here in Colorado, and the goal is to take athletes who played other sports, you know, football, soccer, basketball, whatever, and teach them rugby with the idea being that they could be a part of the USA Eagles men's or women's national team, um, which train at Infinity Park in Glendale, the same place that the Colorado XOs train. And so this whole process is going on right under our noses right here. It's really cool. And uh, you guys should follow along. You can do that with uh, the DMVR Rugby podcast, with the uh, DNBR Rugby Twitter account, and of course, on the website with all of the other written content. Um, okay, into all of this now. So, you'll remember from yesterday's podcast that Colorado basically needed 10 things to go their way to win the Pac-12. Um, and why not just run through what all those things are? Um it would have started yesterday, um, Monday, February 22nd, with an Oregon win over USC. USC actually won that game, which in theory would have actually eliminated Colorado from the conference title race. 
How lucky are the buffs that about 10 minutes before tip-off, a bunch more games got announced and they are still alive? Again, the odds aren't in their favor, but the path is there, and after we figure out what that path is, we can start to talk about what is maybe a more realistical. Um, but yeah, so they needed Oregon to beat USC, and then on Thursday they needed to beat USC themselves, and then they needed Stanford to beat Oregon, they needed Utah to beat UCLA, and then on Saturday they needed to beat UCLA themselves, and then they needed Cal to beat Oregon, they needed Utah to beat USC, and then on Monday they needed Stanford to beat USC, and then the next Saturday they needed Oregon State to beat Oregon, and they needed USC to beat UCLA. That's a whole lot of things that you need to go your way. And there were some very obvious upsets in there. Um, so good news. There's now a path to the top. We're going to talk about the other implications, but let's uh, dig into what that is just a little bit more right now. Um, like I mentioned yesterday, uh, USC beat the doors off of Oregon. Now, Oregon did kind of pull themselves together. They looked more like the Oregon that beat Colorado last week in the final 25, 30 minutes of the game, at that point, the damage was done. I think they were down like 19 to three or something at one point, And that was basically the margin all the way through. I guess, I, I don't think Oregon ever got to single digits, but they did get it down to like 10 or 11 or 12 or so. Um, so that went down. Uh, so that means that now Colorado needs to win out. And I guess I probably should have said this more quickly, but the one game that Colorado's actually playing in that was added to the schedule is a game against Arizona State next Thursday. So now the remaining schedule is versus USC this Thursday versus UCLA on Saturday and then versus Arizona State next Thursday. Um, Colorado needs to win all those to have a chance at winning the Pac-12. They need some help too. So in USC's three other games that don't include Colorado, Colorado needs two losses. So at Utah, at UCLA, and versus Stanford, USC needs to go one and two. Uh, UCLA, they have three games on the schedule. At Utah, at Oregon, versus USC. You need them to go one and two in those three games. And then you need Oregon in their games at Stanford, at Cal versus Arizona versus UCLA, at Oregon State, those five games, you need Oregon to go three and two. Um, and if they go three and two, then Colorado will pass them if Colorado wins out. If UCLA goes one and two in the games that are not being played against Colorado and Colorado wins out, then Colorado passes UCLA, um, and Colorado passes USC if they go one and two in the games, not including Colorado. That's what you're looking at. Um, total, you need these three teams in games that aren't against Colorado to go five and six, which, again, losing records for the top three teams in the conference the rest of the way, it's unlikely. Sounds a lot better than needing 10 results to go the exact same way, though. Um, and I feel like this gives a good perspective on just how much more wiggle room has been added. Um, and what's so crazy is all the games that were added next week are, are basically including Oregon or Arizona State, because those are the teams that have missed the most time. Uh, Oregon had a whole bunch of games added, I think may maybe three games, which in the grand scheme of things isn't all that much, but that means that now they have six games remaining on the schedule. No, five games. Sorry about that. Five games remaining on the schedule. And they only have, what, 
10 days left in the season. So they're basically playing every other day from here on out. The, the reason that these paths get so wide is that the total number of games that teams will play has changed. So when you look at the top of the Pac-12, if Colorado wins out, Colorado will have the tiebreaker over USC. But they would have split the season series with UCLA. They would have split the season series with Oregon. So those tiebreakers would get really complicated. But here's the thing. When you look at the total number of games that will be played this season, conference games, Colorado will play 20. USC will play 20. UCLA will play 19. And Oregon will play 18. It's actually kind of crazy considering that before yesterday, Oregon had only played 12 games to this point, and they're going to get to 18 total. But because those teams are playing fewer games, as long as Colorado can tie them in the loss column, they'll have that additional win, or in the case of Oregon, two additional wins. Uh, and, and that's why that wiggle room really changes. Um, because, again, it's, it's similar to the Stanford situation that we were talking about yesterday, where, where Stanford was supposed to play um, one more game than Colorado, and that means that even though Colorado swept Stanford during the season, they were 2-0 and against Stanford, there was no way for that tiebreaker to come into play because you couldn't actually tie. You know, Colorado could finish, say, 12-7, and and Stanford could either finish 13-7 and or 12-8. and And either one of those, obviously, is not a tie with how the Buffs would have finished. Um, now, things shift into Colorado's favor in terms of basically all the tiebreakers. You just got to get to UCLA and Oregon in the loss column. USC, I guess it's basically the same thing because you do have the, just the normal tiebreaker. Um, yeah, let's dig a little bit deeper now and look at some of the more realistic stuff. Again, when you look at the, the, the like Oregon, I guess, is the one team that is in front of Colorado that you could say Colorado is a good chance of passing without talking about a Pac-12 championship. You know, if you, if you surpass USC you should be right there in the mix for winning the Pac-12. UCLA, almost the same deal, but not quite. Oregon, though, because they have played fewer games, they they have six results. Or Sorry, I said that twice now. They have five results still remaining. In theory, they could lose five more games, which would knock them down to nine and nine in conference. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's on the table because they still, they're still so early in their season, really. Uh... For Colorado to surpass Oregon in the season standings, you need Oregon to lose two more games than Colorado does the rest of the way. If that happens, then Colorado will beat Oregon in the Pac-12 this season. So you need those two more losses. As it stands, Colorado has three games and Oregon has five games. So you you see how that could line up pretty well right there. Um, for example, Colorado wins out. You need Oregon to go three and two in the final games. Uh, Colorado goes two and one. You need two and three from Oregon. Uh, Colorado goes one and two. Then you need one and four from Oregon. And again, we don't need to reiterate this point too many times, uh, but is beating Oregon in the season standings really a good thing? You could have the conversation. 
Ben doesn't think so. I've been going back and forth. Um, the reason why you have the conversation is because four and five both get buys in the first round, as do like one, two, and three, of course. But four and five will play each other in the second round. It's looking like four and five are going to most likely be Colorado and Stanford. Colorado, like I mentioned, has beaten Stanford twice already this season. Otherwise, you have to go play uh, the winner of, I believe, Utah and Cal. No, it'd be Oregon State and Cal. You don't like that quite so much. Maybe. I mean, they're worse teams, though. I just don't know if they're worse matchups. So that's what's on the line when you talk about trying to surpass Oregon. And then really the only other thing you have to look at, actually, we should probably do two more because uh, there is a path for Colorado to not get a bye anymore. That is currently on the table again. Um but when you talk about the Stanford-Colorado conversation, you know, maybe this is where you get more concerned. You know, if, for example, you, if Stanford goes off in their final stretch and surpasses Colorado, also surpasses Oregon, they'd need one more result than Colorado would from Oregon for that to happen. Um then all of a sudden, Colorado and Oregon could be stuck in those four or five spots, and that's really the doomsday scenario. That's what you don't want to have to deal with is playing Oregon that early. Um, honestly, I'd almost rather just take the sixth seed and play the 11, who, again, that'd, that'd be Cal. That You know, I, I know what happened against Cal, but I'd rather still see Cal than Oregon. And then after you play Cal in the first round, you could play Stanford in the second. So you, so you can kind of think through what is actually best. But in terms of Stanford and Colorado surpassing one another, I guess Stanford surpassing uh, Colorado, the odds are still very slim. So both teams will play the 20 games, which means that a tie is on the table. As of right now, Colorado's one game in front of Stanford. Both teams have three games remaining. And Colorado beat Stanford twice, so Colorado has the tiebreaker. So really, that's a two-game lead, which means that Stanford needs to win two more games out of their final three than Colorado does. Uh, for example, Stanford could go 3-0. and Colorado could go 1-2. and Stanford wins. Um, but if Stanford goes 2-1... and they would need three losses from Colorado down the stretch. And those games that Sanford plays, their next one is on Thursday at home, but against Oregon. Uh, and then on Saturday, they're at home against Oregon State. Then their final game of the season, they're on the road at USC next Wednesday. So, again, if you lose two of those, they don't even have a shot of passing Colorado. Um you lose one, odds are still pretty slim. But that's what you're looking at for Stanford. And then one final thing that I want to look at is uh, Oregon State and how Oregon State could, at least in theory, move past uh, Colorado. And the only way that that could happen is if Colorado loses all three and Oregon State wins all four. And actually, in that case, it'd actually be a tie in the standings. And I'm not sure who the tiebreaker goes to. Oh, yeah. No, Colorado beat them twice. What am I thinking? So, never mind. Colorado has locked up 
that buy. Well, that's good news. Okay, my notes were wrong. Well, there we go. Uh, so Colorado actually has locked up the buy, and I'm crazy. So that means that th this schedule change was only a good thing for Colorado. I'm not missing anything. I'm still just a little bit nervous saying that. Three losses, four wins. Yep, we're good. Colorado has locked up the buy. Washington State could not pass them. Utah won't play enough games. Okay, we're good. Um, so yeah, well, that's a nice note to end this segment on. Um, I think that's actually going to do it for the show. I kind of just wanted to get back on here and make sure that we corrected everything I said yesterday because the Pac-12 changed the entire landscape with a whole bunch of games being added to the schedule. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then wrap things up. Big things are happening at Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. And my favorite of those big things is this. They are introducing a line of hard seltzers, and I'm very excited about it because I am a big fan of seltzers. It's like drinking s juice, right? No, I sh I'm, hmm. It's uh, not like 7-Up, but see, like, I, the easy comparison is, like, sparkling water, like LaCroix, but that stuff is just terrible, and I don't want to lead people down the wrong path. The thing about seltzer is that it's basically, like, a soda that's fruity, but without a whole bunch of the sugar, at least I imagine, because it doesn't taste as much like sugar. Um, and for those of you who haven't tried seltzers, I don't even, I don't think that that's a thing that exists. I think everybody's had seltzers now. I, let's just get back to this. There's apple, pear, cherry, peach, berry, and honeydew. So many great seltzers. Uh, and they come in a beautiful Jokic 15 pack. Uh, what an awesome setup, because that means you get to try all of them I'm actually going to go pick some up. I just put in my grocery order for the week, and I just realized that... Actually, I don't even think I could get that delivered to me. I have to go pick it up anyway, which is fine, because I live real close to a whole bunch of different liquor stores and grocery stores, and most of them are going to have these seltzers. If I'm not sure, though, I could go to the Breckenridge Brewery Beer Locator, and it would tell me exactly where I could pick up my own 15-pack of these seltzers. Also... It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week, and if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right. All it takes is for one three-pointer to be hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. That sounds like a no-brainer to me. Um, if basketball isn't for you, then first of all, you, it's probably a tough couple of days to be listening to this podcast, but also DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR to get your shot to turn $1 into $100. When you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week, that's promo code DMVR for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, 
I had a couple more thoughts about basketball, primarily on this Arizona State game that now we get to see. Um, you know, maybe we should have started by talking about this stuff in hindsight, but it is, I, to me, it feels good for McKinley Wright Senior Day to be pushed back another four or five days. And I'm honestly not sure why that is. Um, you know, I, I know that it definitely didn't feel right for him to be finishing his playing days in Boulder in front of no fans this weekend. And, you know, you like the idea of it being against USC, against UCLA, some big-time opponents, opportunities for big wins that could really change the trajectory for the Buffs the rest of the season. At the same time, though, again, it just doesn't feel right for him to be done playing without letting the fans, you know, get to cheer him off the court for the last time. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and obviously that doesn't change by playing Arizona State a week later, but I almost feel like, I don't know, it, maybe it was just that it kind of like ran up on us. Like all of a sudden it was senior week, or at least that's how I felt. And maybe that's like, because it's a, a work thing and I've become very busy thinking about all this stuff. You kind of get caught up and you don't realize that something like that is just right around the corner. Um, but I don't know. It's a, uh, for some reason it does feel more comforting. And, and maybe the reason is that he gets to go up against Remy Martin, um, Arizona state's point guard, the point guard from the PAC 12 who got all of the preseason hype this season. And to be totally honest, didn't do anything with it. And, uh, you know, for Ken to get to end his season going up against Remy Martin and, 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 having one more opportunity to build the narrative that is like the relationship between McKinley Wright and Remy Martin over the last few years to, to, to just add one more win because Ken has won this whole series hands down. And again, it just feels like people have forgotten that. And when you look back at how this season played out again, it was Remy Martin before the season. He, he was the stud in the Pac-12. There was some Oscar De Silva hype too, a couple other guys. And Ken got some, some recognition as well. But you weren't seeing him on All-American teams like you were seeing Remy Martin on All-American teams. And the truth is, where the Pac-12 is right now, there just isn't room for a whole lot of attention for multiple point guards. You know, it was kind of like the national media said, okay, who are the studs? And they picked their guys. And... McKinley Wright wasn't really among them. And it sucks that Remy didn't do anything with that. To have that opportunity to know that, you know, ESPN's going to be saying, okay, Remy Martin coming up next, to, to not win a bunch of games, to not put up big numbers, to not take advantage of that opportunity you're given, while McKinley Wright is not given that opportunity I don't know. It just feels good to give Ken one more shot at Remy to end the season. And, you know, that that will be the game that probably gets remembered as much as any other between Colorado and Arizona State um, during this era. An era, again, in which McKinley Wright has dominated Remy Martin. Um, yeah. And, and that certainly doesn't make up for the fact that there aren't any fans that get to be there to watch this game. 
Um, and honestly, not for the fans' sake. Sorry, guys, but more for Kin's sake. You know, he deserves I mean, the moment walking off the court for the last time, going to the bench, you know, checking out for the last time, you know, whatever goes on during the game, he gets the steals, he gets the whatever, and everybody goes crazy. He deserves that. That is the way this works, is that if you are a an elite college basketball player and you stay with your school for four years and you carry yourself the way that Kin has carried himself and you lead your school to all the things that Kin's done and you set the records that Kin set and you know the, the list of accomplishments is so long that you could spend an entire podcast talking about all of them and who knows maybe we will next week because it will be Kin's last game in Boulder but you know, when things go the way they have for Kin at Colorado, you know, again, he has done everything that's been asked of him. The way that works is, at the end of your career, you get this kind of one last moment, and it just sucks that Kin isn't going to get his. Um, it does feel better, like, it, it almost feels like, okay, Kin, we can't give you 10,000 fans in the stadium, but what we can give you is Remy Martin on the other side. And you just go about that however you want. You know, you if you feel like you just want to go at Remy Martin over and over and over again, and you want to play 39 minutes this game and just run him into the ground, you know what, to me, that that is well within McKinley Wright's reasonable rights that you should be giving him at the end of his career. And... You know, that, that is different. You know, you could see the same situation against somebody other than Remy. Um, again, it wouldn't be as impactful. But, you know, USC, if that had been the last game, I guess it's UCLA. But let's just stick with USC. Or no, let's say you can go at Tiger Campbell, UCLA in the last game. You know, it feels good. But first of all, it's not Remy Martin. It's not somebody you've been going up against in that way for this long. But also, it's a game that, you know, you're you might not be favored in. UCLA is a really good basketball team. It's going to take Colorado's best shot to to go out there and win the game. Arizona State, you know, you, you got to bring your best shot every single night, but they're what, 4-9 and nine right now? 4-8, and eight, something like that? It's not, it's not a team that's quite so scary. And again, that for the Colorado Buffaloes in 2021, that's not a sentence that should ever be said. But... If things go the way that I expect them to go, I think Ken's going to have plenty of opportunities to make it a, a pretty special last night in Boulder, even if it's not special in the way that it it on, it, it should be, and it's supposed to be, and, you know, it, it sucks. And it's one of those things with the pandemic that really hurts, you know, and there's plenty of high school basketball players who missed out on their senior nights, um, missed out on their senior seasons. And that's going on. This is happening all over college basketball. It's, it's, it just sucks. And right now it's McKinley Wright's turn to bear the brunt of that suckiness. And for Buffs fans, and even for people like me, I don't identify as a Buffs fan. I'm a reporter, but I've spent enough time around Ken to, to really feel bad for the guy that this is how it has to go. Not feel, I mean, I'm not like pitying McKinley, but you know, it, this he deserves better. He deserves better. 
Um, I I do wonder if uh, a shot at Remy Martin in his final game in Boulder, how much of a consolation prize is that? I wouldn't be surprised to hear him say it's a big one or it's a small one. Um, this personally does make me feel better about the whole situation, having this one last game against Arizona State on the schedule. Um, I think that's going to do it for today. If you guys have any thoughts, anything like that, as always, you can chime in in the comments. And, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I be- I'm not sure if we're technically supposed to do one tomorrow, but odds are I think we'll be back here maybe with Ben to talk about this uh, USC game. Like, we got to get a preview up. Uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for that, and I'll see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holland get a bus with my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with ya, you can get it.
Hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.